Welcome to the LaRouge Rugby Podcast with your hosts, Derek Brissett, Stu Hardy, and Dan Murphy. to Rory Best. It's Lavanini who makes the tackle six foot seven inch second row forward. Johnny Sexton's got plenty of height on that. Time for the chasers to get there. Brilliantly taken by Tukolat, the Argentine fullback. That was fabulous stuff. And I hear Sanchez steps inside Luke Marshall. Brilliant footwork by Sanchez. He's got Montero. Is Montero going to show us why they're so excited about this kid? What a finish by Montero. That is a world-class finish. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the LaRouge Rugby Podcast. My name is Dan Murphy, and with me always is Derek Brissett and Stu Hardy. Gentlemen, we had a little bit of uh, time off. You know, when in Canada, we had a long weekend last week, so we took some time off to uh, enjoy a little fun in the sun and then uh, relaxation. Um, before we uh, get into it and we kind of see how, how you guys have been relaxing and stuff like that, I want to kind of just let everyone know that we are now going to be on YouTube. Um, our YouTube channel is Le Rouge Rugby. Uh, so if you prefer the, the viewing pleasure of seeing all of us uh, handsome gentlemen on your computer screens or TV screens or whatever you're going to watch us on, uh, we will be uploading uh, our uh, later latest podcast up on there and then Eventually, we'll get our previous podcasts up there uh, from the past. So, uh, look forward to seeing uh, more videos on our uh, YouTube channel. Now, gentlemen, the first thing we're going to talk about is the incredible game that was uh, on a Friday night. The Leafs uh, won a big game, and I, uh, I didn't know they actually won it. I had no idea. <laughs> See, yeah, like this is I. We we kind of we kind of talked about this earlier. Um, I mean, yeah. How did you like? What happened? How did you go two days without knowing like the the result? Because you just got back from the cottage today, Sunday. Yeah. So yeah. we're recording this just before Game Five, so we have no idea what happens in Game Five. Yeah. Right now, but like, how did you? How did you not know? That's so, so the first thing is that my. Uh, where, where the, the campsite is, is there's no internet. So any score updates, TSN, Sportsnet, I didn't, I didn't have any of that. Um, we're lucky enough that our neighbor has satellite and they hooked us up with that. So we were watching the game and it was brutal. And I was, I personally was taking it personally. And there was like, it was, I think it was like right after the three, nothing goal. There was like maybe like six minutes left in the game. I looked at my wife and my parents and I'm like, I'm done. Like put something else on. I'm going to bed. Cause it was a later game. It's already eight o'clock. And when you got an almost two year old friggin' 10 30, 11 o'clock is bloody late. So I said, I'm going to bed. Screw this. I went and played a little bit of smash bros on my switch and went to bed. And we all woke up cause no one else watched it. We all woke up and like came to terms with the fact that the leaf season was over. And so I spent about 12 hours just coming to terms with it. I'm like, all right, who am I going to cheer for now? Vancouver? Yeah, sure. Uh, my wife likes the Hurricanes. Yeah, they're fun. They look like they got a little pep in their step. And it was like after supper, they were starting to put uh, 
my daughter down and I'm just sitting down because my dad's a big golfer. So the PGA championship was happening. So uh, they were doing like a quick, like sports center update and there, and then uh, I switched to sports center or something like that. And then I saw an ad for Columbus versus the Leafs at, uh, on Sunday night. I'm like, Oh, that's weird that they haven't, uh, they, ha- they didn't fix that uh, info. Like they didn't fix that little, <laughs> little graphic. That's a, that's a weird thing for oh. sports like to mess up. And then, and then, and then they actually start talking about it and they're like, Oh, well this game decides who moves on. And then they're like, Oh, and for the, the loser, it's uh, not too bad because then the next night's the draft lottery. And then I like froze for a second. And I like, I, bolted to to the the trailer where they're getting her ready and i'm like the least one and they're like my wife thought i was like high or like like i hit my head and she's like, <laughs> no sweetie they they did not and i'm like yeah i just saw it and so we spent the next three hours which i is incredible to think about when when like sports channels always have highlight shows or like you know showing the replays of games we spent four hours trying to figure out if someone was messing with us and trying to find the actual like scores of the game or the highlights or anything like we even like watched one of the games. It was the, the Tampa versus Philly game. And they, they did not talk about it at all. And it wasn't until 1030 that night where I actually got to see that someone talk about it and show all the goals. <laughs> it, like I, I, it, I thought it was a cruel joke until 1030 last night. And then this morning, I, I went golfing with my dad and the golf course had, um, uh, had cell service and I finally was able to like confirm everything and check everything out and just absolute bananas. So Stu, are we judging Dan's fandom and passion here for bailing on his team before the game was over? No, I think especially after the previous night where the Leafs were three nil up and lost that game because I, w- I was working at the time and I was getting um, text updates. So I get a buzz on my phone. It's like, oh, Columbus won, uh, I've scored a goal. I'm like, okay, you know, still plenty of game to go. And then another buzz and it's like, okay, 2-0, you know, nothing great. And then before I even put the phone down, I get another buzz. Oh, I was 3-0 now. I'm like, oh, okay, so this is what it's like to be a Leafs fan. <laughs> yeah, yeah except well. we get to experience elation after. Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah, it was funny because it's like my girlfriend's a Habs fan, so yeah. she was spending the entire game just making fun of me. I'll just tap and, dancing on the grave. Oh, yeah, exactly. Just you know, yeah, tap dancing on the grave, exactly. And then Columbus made it three nothing, and I was like all sad, but I was like still there, sending some angry tweets that became outdated super fast. Um, <laughs> I saw that and. uh and then, so I was just watching. And so she, my girlfriend goes upstairs for a bit and like, whatever, I guess whatever it would have been in real time, let's say five to 10 minutes later, I just start screaming and she like runs back down the stairs. She's just like, what happened? Like, are you okay? And I'm like, looked at her. I'm like, they tied the game. It's like, and she was like, no, they didn't. And I'm like, no, yeah, they tied the game. And then she was like so mad and she left and wouldn't watch overtime until <laughs> she, she determined how that went based on my reaction. Um, so it's kind of funny, man. That was crazy game. Um, oh, well, that was the thing because I got a buzz on my phone and then I immediately get two more buzzes. And it said, like, oh, Toronto scored. It's like, okay, they scored one goal and now it's just come through like late. So they're doing it. And no, it's three all. And it was like, 
Is, is someone playing a trick on me? Is, is this a reversal? Yeah, last night? Yeah, imagine, how you imagine seeing that 24 hours later. Imagine finding <laughs> I that I can't out. believe you went 24 hours without knowing who oh. won that hockey game. Oh my oh, God, that is hilarious. That's, oh, that's just too funny. I can't believe you didn't know. Oh, that's just... It, hurts it blows so my mind. There's still parts of the world that you can't get that internet access in. What do you know? No. Um, yeah, no, but you know like- what? People are going to see this episode after game five. I'm saying the comeback means nothing unless they win tonight. So I think they're, I think they're going to be full of piss cool. and vinegar. I think they're going to be full of piss and vinegar. I think that uh, Columbus <laughs> thought that they had it. I mean, it's going to be the exact same effect that happened on the Thursday night game on the Friday. And hopefully Toronto won't do what Columbus didn't give up that lead. I mean, it's in their MO. It's, it's definitely something that they're used to doing, especially in game seven. So we'll see what happens tonight. But um, you know what, guys? Let's let's get into actual, you know, what this podcast is about. Let's dive into some uh, some rugby news finally. Um, and the uh, other Toronto team, you know, our, the the arrows have been uh, busy little beavers. They had another batch of signings last week. Um, they had a couple really key signings, and then one that was uh, a new uh, new player coming to the team. And we've been and, and Derek and you know a bunch of other guys have been kind of hinting at this international winger. Uh, this guy that's been, uh, you know, going to be replacing Dan Moore essentially um, with with the starting spot, uh, Manuel Montero, and and Derek, give us a little bit of a sneak peek of what we should expect from uh, Montero. Yeah, so uh, Manuel Montero's got a uh, twenty seven caps for the Pumas, got sixteen tries within those matches. His career kind of got off to just a mind boggling start. He was on just a torrent strike rate to start his career. He had 13 tries in 15 matches that got up to 14 tries in 21. And then, you know, he kind of, his career kind of got sidelined with some injuries. Um, He wasn't able to compete at the 2015 rugby world cup for the Pumas um, as a result of those really bad knee injuries. And then, you know, when he tried to kind of come back from those injuries, his production kind of, you know, went downhill a little bit. Um, So we ended, he kind of has, ended or as it stands right now um he has 16 tries at 27 matches for the pumas um and he also you know he has a try and seven appearances for the jaguars in super rugby as well ultimately what you're kind of looking at is an absolutely massive human being um he is six foot four 240 um i've seen some websites um have his his weight listed as even higher. I've seen like 250. Um, so somewhere in between there. So he's like absolutely huge. Um, he has, he possesses a, like an unreal sidestep, but you know, with that size, like he can just as easily run straight through you if he decided to have the mind to do it. Um, the Toronto Arrows, as well as, you know, various other members of the media have been sharing highlights of Manuel Montero. Um, since the signing was announced and a lot of them are just like, yes, two guys came to try to tackle him and he just kind of brushes them off and goes and scores. Um, so that's sort of the player that you're kind of getting a guy that's kind of, you know, in that, I guess, Jonah Lomu-esque school of being a winger where it's, you know, you're either going to burn them with the speed, you can burn them with the sidestep or you can just run right through them. Um, so 
like like me and Stu kind of talked about when we did our episode on Dan Moore's retirement. Um, you know, the, like the tough thing to replace Dan Moore was always going to be like the leadership and the off and the off field aspect of what Dan Moore brought to the Toronto Arrows. But if you're looking for a winger to replace his on field ability, uh, Manuel Montero is an unreal pickup. You know, very similar just to another Argentinian uh, winger that was signed last year. And we got to see a little bit of him, uh, Julian Dominguez, uh, who signed with, with Nola. Very similar style of, of, uh, of uh, playing. And, you know, uh, both internationally capped by this, uh, the Sevens program as well. So, very interesting. Um, Stu, you know, this, uh, you know, Montero's got a little bit of pedigree to him. You know, being able to play, say that I played in the rugby championship to say that I played in super rugby, um, you know, and, and he's one of the, one of the only players in the league. You know, there's, there's a few uh, Southern American players that say that I played in SLAR and MLR. So he's got a resume to, to add to the bring the arrows. What his is that? One, his one game in SLAR. Well, I mean, that's the one not game his that fault. everybody got to play down there. That's not his fault. That's, that's <laughs> COVID's fault. <laughs> but you know, that still goes on the resume. But, you know, like, what does this all mean? You know, we're, again, we're, we're talking about replacing someone that's been, you know, he was the heart and soul of the team. So this is a pretty big get. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think when talking about and contrasting experiences, so Dan Moore obviously had the experience of not only um, championship rugby with uh, Yorkshire Carnegie, but he also had the knowledge of like the school system. He played in the varsity match at Twickenham and, and he does have international experience as well. However, it seems that uh, Manuel Montero's experience is significantly greater. I know one of the videos that has been posted um, was him beating Johnny Sexton when Argentina played Ireland a few years ago, which I knew uh, may have rubbed a few Irish Arrows fans the wrong way. He was like, uh, do I, am I happy about, am I okay with it? Why not? (laughs) But obviously um, playing for the Pumas, playing for a tier one uh, nation, even if it was a few years ago, it's still fantastic experience to bring to the team. And I, and I don't, I don't see him being one of these like player coach roles that may have been discussed with some of the um, other new signings. I can definitely see him uh, making his way into like the starting 15 or becoming like, especially if he's going through someone, there's a definition of an impact sub. But uh, I think I think this is a fantastic get for uh, the arrows and for MLR in general. So that that actually is kind of like what Stu kind of touched on there. Like, where where do you actually think Montero is going to slot into the lineup? Especially looking at like the outside backs for the arrows, it's a lot of South American flavor on the squad now. Basically. Yeah, I mean- Basically, if you had to pick the, if you're picking the Arrows starting lineup for the first game of the season in February, who's who's your 11, 14, 15 right now? That that is interesting because there are there's now depth in the backs that you could say that any any one of the uh, signees for the 2021 season could automatically make the first 15. So it's like, who do you want on the bench? Who are you not going to give a slot to? Um, so I think I think there's it's probably it's obviously going to be a like pre-training window find if uh, Juan Cruz Gonzalez is better suited at a ten or a fifteen position with the arrows, and then it'll be 
either him or uh, Taylor Adams as uh, the fullbacks for wingers. That I, uh, you know, I'll say uh, Manuel Montero as uh, fourteen, and I'm going to probably say Giuseppe Trois as uh, a winger. Yeah, I mean, I know he's um, more of a centre, but uh, I he can... is a centre. He is a centre. <laughs> he is a centre, but also I think that um, I just really want to say Giuseppe Dutrois or is uh, <laughs> evil out is evil alter ego uh, Giuseppe Dutoy instead. Freeze for a second. I got a whole lot of flack for saying Spencer Jones should play on the wing. Yeah, I feel like I feel like Stu's not getting enough flack from from Derek. All right. Yeah, oh, I was gonna I was gonna let him finish and then be like, well, like who are your centers at this point? Because maybe he was like, maybe he has some genius masterstroke no. of like Gaston Mirez plays center instead of the position where he's internationally renowned to be playing. But <laughs> well, I was gonna say Gaston Mirez, and I'm looking at the list, and I also, and I may have like slipped because I was like was I going to say Gasson Cortez because I think Gasson oh, Cortez on the wing would have been an interesting decision but uh just just, just putting one. the lineup through the blender just yeah you will see what comes yeah up all the there. backs are forwards all the forwards are backs uh you know it's a it's a growth uh team growth exercise you can understand uh all of that ever since I've seen um oh my god Johnny May try and join the scrum for England one there time is uh, I'm just saying that if everyone needs to understand other players' positions, um, no, you know what? So yeah. next, next week, what we'll do is we will do a all front row lineup from MLR. <laughs> all front row lineup, all front row, every all position has to be a front row player. I'll even say you might be able to pick some international cap players if and then we'll do a limit. But I think that's what we'll do next okay. week, okay? But for real, my back line would probably be Gaston Mirez, Manuel Montero, and then either Taylor Adams or um Gonzalez, whichever. Because for those two at the moment, obviously, I've seen like highlights of Gonzalez, but I've also seen Tyler Adams um play as 10 and then when and then like move back to 15, but only for like five or 10 minutes of a game. So I think it preseason is going to be very interesting for the arrows. Yeah. Yeah. I think if I, if I were, you know, looking to predict, uh, Giuseppe Dutrois, um, will be, um, a center. Um, that's my bold prediction for that. Um, Uh, same old, same old, (laughs) Um, and, uh, but yeah, so he's going to be a center, but then I think my outside backs, I would probably go with, I think I'm going to have Montero 11, Gaston Mirez at 14, then maybe Gonzalez at 15. The interesting thing is like, I kind of feel like it kind of comes down to what you want on your bench more than anything, right? Like, cause you could easily do, I think Montero Livis at 14 and then Mirez at 15 and give yourself a guy on the bench, like Gonzalez that can slot into fly half or fullback if needed. Same with maybe Mirez. Mirez can play wing and uh, fullback as well. Montero and Levis don't really play fullback. Um, so I feel like maybe it kind of comes down to what you want on your bench. I think if you were to look at the lineup right now, look at it ahead of time, I think Taylor Adams is going to be the fly half. Um, his, I guess, backup in a way will be Will Kelly. Um, that's just the way I see it at this point in time, if I were to handicap the depth chart. But um, there's certainly like – 
it's one of those things where it's like you kind of look at it right now and it's like there is a lot of options for Mark Winokur, Chris Silverthorne and, you know, to kind of come up with this lineup, especially, you know, when you have guys um, like Adams or Gonzalez that or Ramirez that can kind of slot into a couple positions. You know, if Stu's running the team, you can have Detroit slotting into a couple different positions too. Um, but, um, or maybe Gaston Cortez coming to the backs, who knows? Um, but it'll, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of options. Ultimately, no matter what, there is a lot of options there. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, but, um, yeah, there's going to be a lot of South American flavor in that back three, though. But we also haven't even talked about uh, one of their, uh, you know, fullbacks that uh, also got re-signed, who we haven't touched on any of the uh, the re-signings yet. So we'll get to that unless, Dan, if you have care to add who you think will be in the uh, 11, 14, and 15 jersey. Yeah, don't, I think- say, don't say Spencer Jones again. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think okay, that Spencer Jones will play a very important role coming off the bench. I think that – but I – he can slot in anywhere, I think. Um, but uh, I, I agree with, with you guys. I think that uh, Montero and Levas both play a very hard-running style of rugby, kind of run straight through you. And, and I think that you need a distributor like uh, Mirez. And then he's got such you know impressive footwork. Uh, we saw that against the, the, Glendale, the Glendale Raptors in 2019 uh, in that uh, Ruck Cancer game. Um, and I think that... He will be my, my 11, and then Gonzalez at 15 and 14. The only interesting thing I have to, to point out, and it's with Taylor Adams, is, you know, we're going to talk about uh, the scrum half that was signed in this batch, but there's also a possibility that Taylor Adams might also want to play nine because that was something that he played with Melbourne, and he also did that a little bit with, with the junior All Blacks. Like, he covered both with both those teams. That, that's also a possibility as well. I mean, I think, like, I don't think Adams playing nine, like, I guess in the event of, like, catastrophically f- injuries. Like three to four injuries to the other scrum halves. I, don't I mean, at this point, we only it. have one scrum half, right? Officially, so, officially, officially. Yeah, there's only one scrum half. Um, but I'm, I'm not I feel like, I feel like, like that's going to change, though. I feel like the Arrows might be signing more than one scrum half before the end Well, of the until I hear anything from, the, from Brock or that Twitter account, I'm going with, they only have one scrum half. We only have one scrum half right now. No, In my I hypothetical think, lineup. Yeah, there we go. Uh, it's uh, lots of lots of crazy, crazy hypothetical lineup situations being thrown out here on this episode. But um, I, mine is not as crazy as Stu's. All right, <laughs> I I toss my crazy out. No, but I think. Ago. Yeah, that's true. I think, uh, but uh, yeah, I think Adams will be. Adams is going to be the fly half. I mean, I suppose. Like in the event of like having like a catastrophic amount of injuries or just a stroke of absolute bad luck, I mean, you would definitely probably look at it as an option. Like if he's played it before, like I'm sure you wouldn't shy away from it. Um, but you know, I think um, I think ideally, if you were going with an everybody's healthy lineup, Taylor Adams is going to be your ten for sure. Well, you know what? One of those guys that was signed. Um, and he play. He's been sharing the the the, the nine jersey with uh, with Jimmy McKenzie. Andrew Ferguson uh, was one of the uh, re-signed players. Uh, we also have Lucas Rumball, Andrew Quatrin, and uh, the the f- fullback that uh, uh, Derek mentioned. Uh, Sean Windsor was also re-signed. Now, gentlemen, uh, Lucas Rumball was the vice captain and also the f- first official Arrows captain to walk out. With the, with the team in their first game against NOLA way back in what seems like forever long ago. You know, these all these guys, uh, uh, 
Quatrain, uh, Ferguson, Rumball, and even Windsor to a certain extent when they had their first, you know, three months of the season, all have played pivotal roles. And I mean, Quatrain's one of the players that really uh, shone and grew uh, once he put the Arrows jersey on. So, you know, what what do these guys kind of say to you and kind of ease your mind in terms of, you know, developing this team? I say the consistency is obviously a great thing to have. As you said, um, Lucas Rumble was the first captain and then obviously ARC duties and injury um, put him to the side for most of 2019. Um, he had a fantastic try against Seattle, a try which if it was played today would no longer be legal, but uh, it is what it is. Um, it's legal when it happened. That's all that matters. <laughs> um Andrew Quatrin as well. I think there's a great um, section of the Arrows fan base that uh, has a great affinity for Q and uh, his illustrious hair. Um, then, uh, then Ferguson and Windsor. Now, I know Windsor didn't um, start or play in any of the games of the 2020 season, but um, as I've seen you post on Twitter, Derek, that he is one of these fantastic players for the Arrows. And it's the case of um, one of the big games he did play for was against Austin when that game was rescheduled to a Thursday night and only a few hundred fans could make that game. But some of his offloads and his playing was fantastic. And I think what it really builds to is that we're talking about Taylor Adams. We're talking about Gonzalez as these um, world-class tens that we're great to have. But Windsor is a great ten to have as well. The only issue I would find is I wouldn't want to play him against uh, Houston just because they have Sam Windsor, and I know I'm going to get the names mixed up at some point. Um, yeah, I think... It is. It is great to honestly. It's great to see just in general so many of the arrows being re-signed once again. They had the highest retention rate last year, had uh, between 2019 and 2020, and it looks like they're going to be like we'll see what happens when it's all said and done when training camp actually starts among all the teams. But it looks like they're well on track to, you know, be in the same boat as last year. Um, obviously, there's a couple. I think there's a couple benefits to that. Obviously, there's the on-field benefits where it's like you have guys that are used to the coaching system that they want to implement, the way they want to play, um, the style of game that they want to bring to the pitch week in and week out, and you know, just the chemistry that you can build up just by playing with the same guys week in, week out, and doing all of that. Um, but the other thing too is I think it really helps with like marketing. Um, just marketing your franchise in general, right? When it's, you know, unfor- like, unfortunately, I guess selfishly or whatever you want to really say, Dan Moore is retiring. So you need to kind of bring new faces of the franchise to the fold. And, you know, being able to retain a lot of your players, it gives fans, whether they be passionate, diehard fans that have followed Major League Rugby even before it started, or people that just jumped in on the ground floor when the Toronto Arrows were announced, or brand new fans that are, you know, will be watching rugby for the first time in 2021. It's good to be able to like, you know, kind of go back and be like, you know, Rumball's been a star player the entire time, or, you know, Quatrin's been good for the like the history of the franchise. Ferguson's been around, Windsor's been around, going back to all the previous guys that have been re-signed. And I think that just kind of helps with like the recognition and everything like you know keep the same name keep the same logo keep the same colors try to keep as many of the same players just because it helps the brand recognition um 
And, you know, Rumball will kind of be one of the guys that's at the forefront of that. Like Dan said, he's already captain the team. He was the original captain of the team. Um, when you really kind of look through it or whatever, like I guess technically the Arrows lost two of the three guys that have captained their squad um, during this offseason with uh, Sam Malcolm and Dan Moore both heading out. Um, Malcolm up captain one game in 2019, becoming the first non-Canadian captain of the Arrows. Um, but yeah, I think Rumball is going to be the guy that's going to kind of be looked at to be kind of that face of the franchise and the, in the, you know, as well as the guy that's probably going to have to do some of the work to make up for just Dan Moore's presence that is now absent from the arrows locker room. Um, but I think, you know, off on the pitch though, there's obviously like, these are like four super key players. Stu, you kind of touched on what Sam Windsor did in 2019 there. Um, you know, there was a lot of arrows that were gone to the ARC. Um, the arrows were probably the hardest hit team from the America's rugby championship, as far as like uh, percentage of their roster that was unavailable to them. Um, and Windsor stepped up huge in that first half of the season, especially prior to like guys like Pat Parfrey joining the team when, you know, Sam, Sam Malcolm was the only fly half on the roster. And it was like, you know, the game against Houston when Sam Malcolm did get hurt and had to leave the game with a brief ankle injury that didn't really impact the rest of his season all that much, but he had to be taken out of that game. Windsor was the guy that came in to replace Malcolm at fly half. They played admirably and they won that game. Um, so, you know, he's maybe not the most popular player, but he's probably one of the more underappreciated guys on the arrows roster. Um, Ferguson, like you said, I mean, I think he's a solid scrum half, uh, does really well to get a lot of quick ball for the arrows. He had six tries in 2019. A lot of them were kind of in that like sneaky, I'm going to catch this team sleeping with a quick tap off a penalty kind of manner, um, which is great to have a scrum half that kind of has that sense for the game that you're able to, you know, exploit um, defenses that are, you know, kind of falling asleep at the wheel or um, just, you know, when they think there's a stoppage of play. Um, Quatrin, Kikog, and basically like the arrow set piece is a big reason why the arrows are so good. And, you know, Quatrin um, brings that. He's the, obviously the guy that throws the ball into the line out, arrows line out at 87.3% with Della Vega second in the league with line out takes. So that was super effective. Obviously the scrum with, with Quatrin as part of the front row was also incredibly effective and dominant throughout the year. Best scrum in the league. Um, and, you know, he was solid. Lucas Rumball though is probably, you know, I still think he's probably one of the best players in Canada at this point in time. Um, and, you know, he had 69 tackles this year, which was tied for fifth. Um, there was a handful of other guys that were kind of, around that there's a lot of it's a big tie um so he had 69 tackles um 94.5 percent completion three breakdown steals which was third in the league behind cam dolan and mo abdomanim um he had 29 carries 94 meters the try that as Stu pointed out would technically not be legal but it was legal when it mattered <laughs> and um he also added four line out takes to it um so and you know i think one of the other things that he kind of brings to is just an incredible work work rate. And, you know, his mall defense, as we kind of saw in that game against Houston too, is impeccable, man. Like um, even with that, even with uh, Shepard and Della Vega both sent off due to cards, like, so you have like the shorthanded pack for the line out and Rumble was able to swim through and get a hold of the ball to uh, preserve the win there. So um, yeah, this is a, another solid unreal group of signings. And then, you know, it's Montero's the guy that you kind of get excited about, I think, cause he's the new guy, but, um, it, you know, it's, it's great to see such a uh, key pieces of the team returning and, um, 
Sean Windsor too, I guess that side note is he is the head coach of Brock University now, um, which I guess will be interesting to kind of see, like, I don't know, I haven't spoken to him or I haven't really, um, so I don't really know what exactly the university programs are going to be doing this, considering they don't have games to be playing, but he will be splitting his time between his duties, coaching Brock and playing for the Toronto Arrows. So um, that's also something to kind of look forward to. So there's another, like, as Stu kind of mentioned, it's like there's some guys that are kind of doing becoming like sort of quasi player coaches for the team. So, you know, uh, Brock's program has, you know, improved immensely over the last couple of years with Windsor as part of that staff. And now he's getting the, uh, the promotion to the big job too. So, um, like he definitely knows what he's doing as far as coaching. So even if he's not in the lineup, I'm sure he's going to be, uh, lending a big hand to the the team anyways. You know, I think it was Andrew Ferguson that said that, uh, you know, he's one of the, the best, best guys have with the team because he's just so approachable and, you know, so useful as as a teammate, and I think that uh, Ferguson himself is is someone that is uh, extremely useful to the team. And you know, um, Jamie McKenzie's dealt with injuries, and also he was gone with the ARC. So uh, Ferguson has had to kind of hop in and out of lineup or out of the, the starting position, and he's had to be you know the ultimate uh, ultimate teammate, and then kind of take his knocks when when he's told to sit on the bench or or not play the game and. No, I think that's something that uh, needs to kind of be celebrated. And I think that he is going to have a very interesting World Cup cycle. You know, everyone's kind of talking about Will Priscillier with, with, you know, the rest of our scrum halves kind of aging out. You know, Jamie McKenzie, Gordon McRory, Phil Max retired. You know, there there is now a pecking order that needs to be established. And I think that, uh, you know, with this this young buck kind of, you know, snapping at his, his heels and, and Priscilla was recently named uh, the, you know, young, young men player of the year. You know, I think Ferguson has to, you know, prove that where he, he stands out and then have a good next season with the arrows and try to get back in the graces of, of uh, selectors and Kingsley Jones, because he really hasn't had a whole lot of chances po- you know, post repishage and, you know, in 2018. So Hopefully he'll have a good season because I'm looking forward to seeing that. You know, uh, other Canadians that are looking to uh, either continue or start their uh, relationship again with Rugby Canada have found homes in MLR. Uh, one of my favorite players in MLR, Doug Fraser, re-signed with Old Glory DC uh, with a two-year deal. I'm excited to see him back with those with with uh, the guys down in uh, the Washington area. Uh, Mo Abdelmanum. Uh, re-signed with the Gilgronies. You know, he has just been someone that, you know, this podcast has loved to watch, and it is a damn shame that he hasn't gotten a cap yet. So hopefully with that uh, uh, cream and orange, I, I don't really – I think that's what they describe their jerseys as. Uh, hopefully he'll yeah. get – Is it cream? Uh, you know, is that the official Gilgronies orange tone? I thought that's – Are you telling me that their alternate kit is cream and not white? Because it looks – Pretty white in the uh, Texan side. I was thinking more like the the like the actual orange ones. It looks a little creamy, does it not? Or am I just thinking uh, every time I see them, I think of an orange creamsicle, and that's where my brain goes. <laughs> Maybe possibly. that's it. You know what? It wouldn't surprise uh, me though, man. Like I've seen like I think it's always kind of one of those fun things that I've enjoyed is seeing like what professional sports teams actually call their colors. Cause like they have to like kind of copyright the color tone, and it's like right. the funniest ones is like like I guess most recently the Seattle Kraken and the NHL expansion team there, they all, you know, kind of brought up um, 
like their new jersey release and they have like a different name for every individual shade of blue that they have on their jersey deep like sea ice blue yeah deep sea blue ice blue um the funniest one i think i've ever come across was you know you remember those like old like los angeles kings jerseys that are purple oh yeah right it's like um well they're not purple they're actually forum blue which i'm like yeah that's the name of the color it's amazing foreign blue it's purple but it's more yeah i don't know so it wouldn't surprise me if austin does call this cream but this is just a tangent now yeah well i think the idea of seeing um mo abdel monum um play instead of playing in orange and cream we'll be playing in red and white or black and red and white the, the whatever canada's colors are going to be with macron but uh yeah yeah i I love um, Abdelmanem, man. I think he's. I think he's one of the most, maybe not, maybe not the most underrated player in the league, um, but certainly one of them. He's in the conversation. I think um, he's so underrated that his own team didn't even start him for the first two games of the season. Um, so like that kind of Mick Byrne figured like he figured it out eventually and uh, started putting Abdelmanem in the lineup, playing the full eighty minutes of the last three games. Um, so yeah, he he has. He's second in the league in breakdown steals. Like, he's just, like, one of those guys that's just, like, elite at, like, a specific thing that you can do on a rugby pitch. Um, So, yeah, five steals. He trailed only Cam Dolan um, of NOLA, who had six all year. Um, The interesting thing... He's a human giraffe. Yeah. Cam Dolan's just a human giraffe. Yeah, Cam Cam Dolan's a monster. He's, like, he's a monster. But here's the the thing that I kind of find interesting, though, is, like you said, it's, like, Abdelmanam is kind of underrated, so he hasn't seen as much playing time as, like, okay, so if you look at the top five, and I'm saying the top five, kind of, like, air-quoting it here, um, just because it's not actually five guys, because the season was super short and there's got a bunch of dudes tied at three, basically. Um, so you have Cam Dolan, Mo Abdelmanim, um, Jameson Fanana Schultz, Lucas Rumble, and Nate Brakely are your top five, right? Who have all played significantly more minutes than Abdelmanim. Um, and so Abdelmanim's within the top five. And he's he actually has, with the exception of... Uh, what do we got? We got Chance Wingluski and uh, Pele Cowley, who only played one game, but he had two uh, breakdown steals. Um, right. So it's like, with the exception of them, it's like the remaining guys that factor into the top 10, whether they're tied or not. Um, Abdul Manam's played the least amount of minutes of all of them. Um, he's played 113 less minutes than Dolan. So Dolan needed the extra 113 minutes to pick up just one extra lineout steal, or sorry, one extra breakdown steal. Um, Fernanda Schultz has played an extra 46 minutes, and he's sitting at three. So like Abdelmanam's got two more steals than him in 46 less minutes. Um, Lucas Rumball's played 73 more minutes than Mo, and Nate Brakely has also played 113 more minutes. And Brakely again, he has three steals, so it's like he's racking up a ton of breakdown steals, but also kind of in a lot less time than say some of the other guys that are at the top of the uh, breakdown steals table. Um, so he's, he's making, he's making the most of the minutes that he is getting. And that's probably, man, it's one of those things too. It's a shame that, you know, COVID canceled the season, right? Cause it's like, he probably 
could have definitely increased his stock as far as going on the Canadian national team because, you know, he has been shining, especially in that breakdown role. Um, The one thing I kind of, I kind of did notice like looking at his stats. um, So he played his 287 minutes. He had 21 carries, 90 meters. Um, Within that, I made two offloads. Like I said, the five breakdown steals is kind of his big stat that sticks out. Um, It's because he's just amazing at doing that one specific thing, but he made 48 tackles um, at 82%. Um, so he had 10 missed tackles this year. So 10 missed tackles in five games, you kind of you kind of want to see that number come down and see that percentage of tackle completion go up. Um, so if you got to critique the game a little bit, that would be the area that I think you kind of go at. But I think um, I'm like, yeah, uh, I'm super excited to see that he's re-signed in Austin and hope he kind of continues to thrive and hopefully going into the next season, um, he can kind of solidify himself as one of the uh, starters for the Gilgronis. One interesting signing that we've, that kind of happened uh, last week was uh, Henry Stevenson from Ontario signs with the Dallas Jackals. Uh, You know, he was one of the 30 Canadians that sent their intent in uh, to MLR at at the draft. So, you know, a young guy, uh, you know, has had uh, some U20 Canada experience and a lot of sevens experience, which is when you look at his highlight reel, you just see this giant lock running in sevens. It is so fun to watch you know we don't have enough locks playing in seven so don't ever tell anyone that you're not fast enough do it but uh you know it's an interesting signing because you know didn't actually play at the trophy uh tournament uh did did the 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 european tour with the u20 team and got to play some uh you know big minutes so exciting to see another young guy uh from canada sign an mlr yeah, absolutely. Um, he, you know, it's it's good to see, I guess, some of the American teams, or I guess, you know, I'm not really sure how he qualifies for an American visa. Uh, maybe the fact that he has played on the U20 team, despite, as you kind of mentioned, Dan, he didn't get to play in the trophy and stuff, but he's been on the team. I don't know if that maybe helps him. Um, he did represent Ontario when they played that exhibition game against Old Glory DC. Um, although Old Glory DC didn't really have the, what would become their MLR roster really in place for that game, um, there's a lot of there's a handful of guys on that team that didn't quite didn't quite make it. Um, but you know, so like maybe that helps, maybe because he's already played MLR. I'm not really sure to be perfectly honest with you. But regardless of what it is, I'm really excited to see you know more Canadian. I'm excited to see more Canadians ending up with shots on. Um, the uh, you know on the American teams in MLR, like we kind of alluded to a little bit earlier when we were touching on Windsor being the head coach of Brock, um, there is going to be no university rugby, or at least as of right now, there is no university rugby in Canada next year. So um, if you know, like if you are some of those guys that it's like maybe you do take a shot, go play uh, professional rugby um, south of the border, make some money, and then maybe you know like. Not really sure what his educational situation is like, um, but um, I like the idea. Like, if you're gonna, if you want to play a high level of rugby right now, it's looking like MLR might be uh, one of the better options to go to until you know things get back to normal post COVID. Um, w- one thing though, Dan, that I did, I kind of wanted to point out too, and you kind of mentioned it a little bit, um, was you were like you made a comment on his highlight reel which is a thing that is very easily accessible. If you Google Henry Stevenson rugby, it's like one of the first things that pop up and it's just 
like players that kind of want to be in the draft or they want to be signed by teams. It's like, take like, you know, I just think, you know, take it upon yourself and put, put some video of your game out there. I know obviously like rugby Ontario game against old glory DC, like that was filmed and that was, you know, a broadcast on, I can't remember which platform that was actually broadcast on, but you can watch that live. So it's the video of that out there. It's like, like, and you know, he's the guy that, you know, he wanted to, he declared for the draft or declared for the draft or however MLR is wording it for what the Canadians actually did um, to declare their intent and stuff. But it's like, yeah, like have a highlight reel, like be able to send something to coaches of the MLR teams to be like, Hey man, this is what we can do. And, you know, it goes to what we were saying kind of before too, where it's like, you know, uh, don't necessarily want the Canadian players to always be relying on the Toronto Arrows to get spots, um, right? So it's like, yeah, man, Paul Cialini, Mike Shepard um, are on the Arrows. Like, Adrian Wadden just signed there too. It's like, that could be, and Colby Francis, like that's a could be a tough team to make, but you have an expansion team. Um, you have two expansion teams, so it's like they could maybe use your services and stuff. So um, it's good to see uh, Stevenson uh, making the most of an opportunity here. So kids, make those reels, make them good, and don't put mm-hmm. horrible music over it, and people will like it. And, and no Star wipes. <laughs> no, yeah. Star no Star wipes. Wars wipes. Yeah, um, I've heard. Honestly, I've heard most coaches watch them on mute. Anyways, that's so, fair. Yeah. yeah. So like, you don't even have to. It save yourself some time. You don't even have to put music on it. So you know. So guys. You know, we just kind of dove into one of the American teams. And, you know, this period in which we kind of took a little bit of time off, teams have been busy. You know, Rooney has signed 10 players. Um, OG DC, Old Glory, uh, signed four, excluding Fraser. New England signed three. Rugby ATL signed five. San Diego signed Dean Muir and Nate Osberger, two big pieces of their their uh, lineup. Um, the the uh, Sabercats signed their their founding five. I, I think that's what they, they called it on Twitter. Someone might have to conf- uh, The original five. The original something. five. The original uh, some, five. Something like that. Uh, Esdale, Farmer, Garber, Pangelina, and, and of course Sam Windsor. And they also made a trade and they got Erasmus from uh, their Texas friends uh, for a little bit of cash. So, you know, which one of these teams really to you has kind of jumped off and said, hey, we are making our team better? and we are coming at you. I'm going to go with Houston on this one because they have done a five-player re-signing, which, you know, the Arrows have been doing for the past month and a half or with all their signings. So I think it works well like that, and it's good to see. It's good to... um, have that familiarity and as you said Derek build the brand that the arrows are doing with their re-signings the thing that I want to point out is I don't see LA in this list I don't see LA making any decisions of who their players are or making a public announcement of who they are so I'm interested to see what that or if they will make any public signings. Because from what we've got so far, it's all been the players themselves announcing it, which isn't really the same thing. So I I know we brought it up last episode, but 
you know, I, I expect more from LA at this point, especially when Dallas is making signings at this period. So Dan, is this, is this rugby ATL's new logo? Is this what we're looking at here? Yeah. So that I just showed the guys on, on our, our screen. Uh, it looks like rugby ATL is announcing a new logo and they are, they're doing a live video about it and I didn't want to throw over their the audio of it. So I'm going to, I'm going to try and pull it up again. Maybe they'll put it back on their Instagram. Yeah, I was going to say like the, uh, the announcement. Yeah. It looks so like, it looks like, it looks like, like, like head or something. It's, it's a rattlesnake for sure. Uh, it doesn't look like they're changing names They're sticking with rugby ATL, but they're, they're sticking with the rattlesnake, which was kind of a fan moniker thing. And I think that's really cool that they've kind of turned that into, to their, their fan thing. And I know when they opened up their brick and mortar, uh, apparel store, they had a, a, a painting of the, um, of the rattlesnake on it. And um, while you guys were kind of, you know, talking about your feelings and, and the teams and stuff like that, I was kind of listening in and uh, one of the players from the team actually designed the logo, uh, which oh, okay. is really, really cool. Cause he, I guess he's oh, also a graphic cool. designer. Who did it? Uh, I'd have, you'd have to, I'd have to check the live story again, but it was Chase Lewin, uh, Lewiski was and uh, the, the other player. I'd have to con- confirm what his name was. Um, but, but well, it looks good, and I, I uh, fine. I fine. prefer to see them go a full change, and you know, right. and not fine. go real detail anymore. But find a picture of the logo so we can pull it up later, and then we'll uh, we'll do, we'll give it a little review at the end when we get through uh, okay. some of these. They haven't loaded anything in. up other than that that video, so I'm sure. I'm sure if we give it ten minutes, there will be pictures of it somewhere. Yeah. I just. Uh, one thing I wanted to point out that was kind would be kind of awkward to mention um, while they were doing that discussion is that the countertop that they were around whilst discussing the new logo had the current ATL logo, so that countertop yeah, is immediately players, out of date. Yeah, I noticed all the uh, all the players were wearing uh, the old the old logo on their shirts there too. Um, but yeah, Dan, I didn't really get the chance to see it super clearly, so I'll pull that up and we can uh, give it a little review at the end here. Um, but um, as for like one of the teams that I think is doing a great job right now is Rugby United New York, um, and like like I said, it's like they've just one. I kind of like the way that they've been rolling out their signings. Um, I think the idea of releasing players signings at the same time every day, uh, you know, during the week, three o'clock, um, you know, for, for fans of rugby United New York, I mean, it gives them something to look forward to. It's, you know, it's a fun way to kind of roll it out. We've seen, you know, all the different teams kind of seem to be going about it a little bit differently. The Toronto arrows, you know, drop five guys every week or so. Um, then you have a handful of teams that just kind of are like sporadically announcing guys individually or maybe two or three at a time. Um, but I do kind of like Rooney's approach here just from a marketing standpoint of being like, you know, a new player is coming out at three o'clock. Um, so that's a lot of fun, but it's like, they've been signing some big names. Um, you know, obviously guys like Will Leonard, Connor, uh, Connor Wallace Sims, Hanko Gurmishais, um, uh, James Rochford, Troy Locklear, Harry Bennett. Those are all guys that are returning to the squad. So it's good to see that a lot of their, core um is coming back um but then you also have 
you know, a couple of great new signings too, like Joel Miranda, um, the Argentinian winger, Wilton Rabalo, um, who we all remember from uh, helping Brazil destroy Canada in that game. Um, as a prop, um, Connor McManus, we got an, another New Zealander scrum half. Um, and uh, Samu Tueki, um, the Fijian prop that played with the uh, Manitoba Turbos in the Mitre 10 Cup. Um, so I kind of I like what they're doing, man. They're bringing a lot back. And I think, too, like with the signing of uh, Tuaki and uh, Robolo, um, I think they're also kind of addressing like a need in like doing some of these uh, bigger signings. Um, and, you know, obviously too, if you would kind of look back, they, they've already signed some great players, but just in kind of this group, like Rooney's scrum last year was at 86.3%, um, which was eighth in major league rugby. Um, but um, they, you know, so it's like eighth in major league rugby. Obviously, that translates going backwards um, to the the fifth most um, loss or the fifth most losses in the league. And um, but yeah, I think you know. So obviously, that's something that a team that would like to think of themselves and would consider themselves into you know as one of the top teams in the Eastern Conference. It's probably something they would like to improve on. So seeing them bring in two props um, to kind of add to that really. Um, to me is, you know, it's something that they need. It's something that the team needs to work on. And it's good to see see that they're addressing that. Yeah. I'm really excited for what uh, new England's doing. And then, you know, they've only signed three guys, uh, but they all kind of excite me in different reasons. I mean, Tog leader is kind of an OG MLR guy, you know, he's played for, you know, three different teams, but I remember, you know, the first season when he was playing for San Diego or, you know, fiery ginger wearing those red jerseys it was it was quite a sight to see and i've kind of i think it was just sunburn more than anything (laughs) i can say that because i'm a ginger (laughs) uh but you know what and people people know that now because they can see you exactly yeah they can confirm it yeah (laughs) uh but you know and and i like what he's been doing with uh the 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 youth academies and programs in boston and new england so that's been really cool and you know, uh, Dougie Fife is uh, really, really interesting to me because uh, when I, uh, you know, got uh, Rugby 20 and I started my own uh, build a franchise and, you know, got a bunch of random guys, I had no idea who I, one of them, uh, any of them were. Uh, one of the guys was Dougie Fife, and he was like my, like, top try scorer as I was rising the ranks. So I'll always have a soft spot for him, and now it's actually exciting. I get to watch him, and I have the chance to watch him live. Um, and then uh, and then Timbo uh, coming from Super Rugby is just – amazing grab for for them uh he'll be a really fun guy to watch and, and see kind of compare the talent level between you know super rugby and and the curry cup and and mlr so and also they got a new coach um um they you know that he this uh, ryan martin seems to have a lot of experience especially overseas so i'm excited to see what he can uh he can bring to new england so yeah, I think I think it's interesting like overall to kind of see like just the caliber of international talent that is making its way over to MLR now. Um I think like I think having guys last year like um the Beast or Nanu or Bastero come over really to me like kind of really showed a lot of players globally like how 
like how great this league is and that it's, you know, it's a, it'll be a great league to play in. And obviously uh, Matembu, like he's a former teammate of the beast um, with the sharks as well. Right. So it's like there, there could be that connection there to be like, yeah, come over. It's awesome playing um, in North America. Um, we've even seen it too, like a little bit with the Toronto arrows, right? Like you have, um, you know, in year one, we have a couple South American guys, um, the Uruguayans and um, Leves and Mirez. And then, you know, we added um, Diana comes up from Uruguay. And then you also have De La Vega from Argentina joins the team in 2020. Um, and now 2021 comes and you see a bunch of De La Vega's countrymen um, in Gaston Cortez, Juan Cruz Gonzalez and Manuel Montero are now joining the team too, right? So that's like word of mouth, like in that global rugby community gets around. So it's like, if guys are around the globe are starting to realize it's like, yeah, like the MLR is a great place to play. It's just going to constantly attract better talent and attracting better talent in turn is going to make um, the North American talent in our league a lot better. So gentlemen, I, I uh, was cruising the World Wide webs and rugby ATL after posting that video has been silent. However, once again, Brian Ray to the rescue, he uh, shared this photo of, one of the things they kind of showed on their little slideshow, it is uh, the logo that they're going with on, on one of their uh, merchandise hats. And again, he's kind of questioning the same thing I kind of said about, uh, you know, are we going to keep, well, why are we keeping rugby ATL? Uh, what do you guys think about the logo? We'll, we'll kind of start with that because it is, uh, it is unique, I would say. Yeah, I think it's a phenomenal logo and something – Something really beneficial that um, can be used by Atlanta to build a brand because I think just having ATL isn't really that marketable, but um, having the image of like a snake, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out on a limb and say it is a rattlesnake. My, my knowledge of snakes is minimal at best, being <laughs> British as all. Um, not a whole lot of snakes in uh, in Britain there. Uh, no, well, you see, um, they all went to Ireland, and then St. Patrick, well, you know, <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, he sent them sent them back, didn't he? Yeah, sent them to Atlanta, out. apparently. Um, <laughs> and but yeah, as I say, it's like they have a new logo, but they're keeping the team name the same as Rugby Atlanta. And you think you should go the full hog? and just call yourself the rattlesnakes at this point. Yeah, I think it, the local kind of looks like that. Uh, almost kind of looks like, like say, like a Jacksonville Jaguars, kind of Carolina Panthers, sort of the uh, side profile of uh, animal's head. It's, um, it's cool. It's or got the, the Dallas dis- Jackals. The Dal- Well, I mean, like, the specific kind of, like, the open mouth and, like, sort of the snarling teeth and everything. Um yeah, I, I like it. I think if we were kind of going with, um, like, yeah, I, like I'm not, sure, I'm not, sure, you know what? I'm looking at it though. I'm not sure I like it better than the the A. Like even um, in seeing it, like, yeah, um, just because. Can you, yeah, can you go back to the logo, Dan? I know what the Dallas Jackals logo looks like. All right, well, I'm just showing you. It's a side profile, and the, the it Jackals is a side profile, but it's like the the kind of arching down, and like maybe it's just because it's black. I was like Carolina Panthers, kind of, because that's also like a giant that's fair. black that's logo. I don't know, um, but yeah, like I'm not, I'm not, yeah, like I kind of, almost, I I really like the A, man, and you know what I really like. Um, is that like snakeskin kind of a wallpaper that they had, which kind of like, are they still using this? 
Like, do we, do we know enough info about it? Like, I guess for like an initial reaction that we're kind of doing here, but I look, I do like that a, and it's like, I found it interesting that it's like, they kind of got rid of rugby ATL from the top of it on a couple of things on Twitter. They put back like new profile pick and it was the, just the a, um, was one. I like the design of the, a. I think it kind of pops on the jerseys. Um, is this, like, do we know if this is like a secondary logo kind of thing, or is it like the primary? In, in logo the now? in the video that that the Facebook Live, they kind of made it. They they said that that this would be the, the new logo. They're this is so moving on and, and adapting and, and creating a brand. So it sounds like this this rattle uh, rattlesnake will be the new logo. Well, that, well, that's cool then. Like, I mean, I, I like I love the idea that the players designed the logo. Um, that sounds awesome. Like, I'm sure that. You know, a lot of like a lot of like new like older teams, right? It's like you kind of play for like the tradition that the badge represents, and you know, MLR being a brand new league, it doesn't necessarily have like the years of tradition. It's not like any of the players in the league, you know, can claim that they grew up wanting to be uh, playing for rugby ATL or play for the Toronto Arrows or the Houston Sabercats or whoever, because it's like those teams are only you know max four years old. Um, so. You know, I think if you kind of give the players a hand in designing like the actual logo that they're going to be playing for, that's a cool way to kind of build up some more pride in that logo. Um, I, I still do like the A. I like the simplicity of the A. There's a lot of design elements inside that snake, which um, are cool. Don't get me wrong. Um, but um, yeah, I hope they still use the A for something. It's one of those things that kind of looks really good on a hat or other types of merchandise. So I wouldn't want this necessarily seem to get away. I am confused as to why like rugby, AT- rugby ATL is not a good name. So I hope they like, they were kind of leaning to like change, like do like the rattlesnakes or do the rattlers or something to that effect instead. But, um, like yeah, like I said, initial reaction. Maybe we'll find out more, um, you know, after we record this and stuff. But um, yeah, like I would just, I would like to see them kind of. I, I agree with Stu. Like, go, go, kind of full out because rugby ATL still kind of sounds like a little placeholder ish to me. Like it'd be weird. Like, like it doesn't like hockey T O R would be is a like wouldn't fly yeah. has a good name or like football D A L like or the baseball N Y the like, Washington football team. Or the, the well, Edmonton, uh, Edmonton football team? EE football. EE football. EE football. Um, but you know what, though? But those, those, they have different reasons. those are yeah, placeholders like, for completely different reasons, but reasons, they're not bad yeah, sure. placeholders um, if you want to kind of go to that. Even like, like I said like before. Then, if you guys have actually seen the jerseys, like the, the, Washington, the, the Washington football team's jerseys, like – yeah, they're actually pretty slick, and it's got like a W on their their helmet. It's it's yeah. pretty sharp, in my Maybe, opinion. I haven't actually seen those. Maybe they just stick with that then. Um, but but yeah, I don't know. I think it's I think it's cool. It's nice to see. Uh, it's nice to see the teams, I guess, taking it seriously and being like, you know what, like, hey, the fans are coming up with this kind of, you know, they've given us this rattle rattlers rattlesnake kind of nickname. So why don't we roll with that and incorporate an actual snake logo into our own team's branding and stuff? So it's good to see that the ownership group there is adapting to what the fans have been creating. Um, so that's kind of the thing that I think that's the thing that I like the most about the the logo. Um, I like that. I still like the A though. I don't know. There's just there's something about it that I'm still kind of like leaning toward the A. But I like the entire concept and the idea behind the snakehead logo. I th- I I'm almost with you a little bit, Derek, on that. I like the idea of the A. I think that there is a place for the A. 
you know, maybe like it's like a shoulder crest or like on their, their, their shorts. That'd be really cool if they had the A there. Like, I think there, there is a place for it, but to me, the A just reminds me of rugby ATL. And I think that there's time to move on. I think you can, uh, and, and Stu said it, you can brand the, the, the snake and it'll be a lot of fun. And if they could combine that, uh, that snake skin background with the actual snake on both like a white and like even someone said a red jersey for for atlanta that'd be really sharp so or or like i said yellow and uh, red and yellow like the hawks that would be really the hawks Hawks new jerseys look great too but i liked um when we were talking before this podcast was it you or Stu that mentioned like do the snake scales as like i did yeah sublimated image like on the jersey like like kind of like so how you would have it like that really cool like i was saying that really cool like a snakeskin wallpaper or whatever if you had that a like on the uh like on the jersey or whatever you could do that with the snakeskin like behind it um which would probably look cool they did have the map of atlanta sublimated on their jerseys last year which is also a really cool idea yeah um but but yeah i i think so it's like there's some definitely some design feature, features and de- elements that you can kind of incorporate that. I think do uh, doing the sublimated scales thing, like we were kind of talking about earlier, might be a lot of fun. Just do something different because we had, we had them, Oglor DC and the free jacks that all kind of had a similar, similar color palette, mm-hmm. those dark, dark colors and whites. And it, it, we just need someone to pop out a little bit more. So that'll be uh, interesting to see, you know, when Paladin releases the kits and how they all look like. Uh, you know, guys, uh, I think this will be time when we finish up. Um, if you guys are looking for more information on, on our podcast or our thoughts and everything, um, we have uh, on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, we have LaRouge Rugby um, updates about the podcast, and we post things um, kind of trying to get discussions going about Canadian rugby. Uh, gentlemen, if they want to learn more or read more or watch more from YouTube, where can they get it? Well, you can find me mainly on Twitter. Uh, my at is Hardman, spelled H4RDMAN. Yeah, and uh, you can find me Twitter, Instagram, at Brissette the Jet, B R E S S E T T E, the Jet. Um, you can also find any articles that I write at Layman Sports on Twitter, Instagram, and obviously laymansports.com and uh, any of your other favorite social media networks. And I don't really do much more than this. So unless you guys want to hear me talk about being a stay at home dad until September or Dungeons and Dragons. Or if you want, or if you want leaf updates, 36 hours late, Dan's your guy. I'm your guy. I can take care of that. Yeah, exactly. So if you, if you want to know who wins game five tonight, cause I'm kind of assuming that Dan was like, Hey boys, can we push up the time that we record this podcast? Um, <laughs> it kind of had something to do with the fact that he just got a new lease on life, realizing that the Leafs are playing tonight. Um, but if you want to know if you are like somebody that doesn't like to avoid, that likes to avoid spoilers for all things, give Dan a follow. Cause he'll start talking about the events of this Leafs game on like Wednesday. Exactly. So that's the way to go. And you know what, guys? Uh, more exciting rugby news is that uh, the Premiership will be starting back up this weekend. Who are you guys looking forward to watch? Um, I think that we should all enjoy the Saracens for the brief time they're still in the uh, Premiership. Um, obviously, there's um, 
the great Midlands teams of uh, Wasps and Tigers. Um, how long Tigers will be in the Premiership? Well, definitely longer than Saracens at the moment. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, it should be interesting. I'm I'm sure you guys may have read about um, Exeter deciding to drop their mascot but keep their logo and name. Speaking, speaking of that not going all the way with a name yeah. and logo change. Oh, man. Um, so that was disappointing to hear. But uh, no, it should be... In- and we're also going to get midweek games as well with the uh, Premiership for the rest of this season, at least. Yeah, I think I'm honestly I'm kind of with Stu. I enjoy chaos. Let's uh, I want to see Saracens ruin some people's days. Um, it's 2020. Everybody's year sucks. Um, <laughs> so I mean, you kind of have to. Uh, maybe, like, I don't even think like it's not even that I want to see Saracens like necessarily win, but it's like man, with the way 2020 has gone, like you kind of know that they probably will. Um, just to ruin it for everybody, and we'll have. Like, yeah, I guess, you know, a premiership champion that gets relegated. Even if they decide to relegate, I don't even know if they're still going to do that. Who knows? Um, but, yeah, I like chaos. Chaos is also probably dictating that the Saracens are going to win the uh, Champions Cup, too, first. <laughs> just just to wreck everyone's everyone's day. The Crusaders still won uh, Super Rugby, so... It's like, yeah. There's, there's, there's some normalcy in rugby. Yeah, there's some, some normalcy. Yeah, exactly. I feel kind of bad for the Chiefs, though, just because it's like, you know, they don't go like, what are they, 0-8? You know, like, yeah. that doesn't that doesn't happen if there's other countries participating in super rugby. Yeah. yeah, well. Even You know what? Even some of their games this year, they, they had they had the games and it just lost. Yeah, sh- shouldn't have let Tyler Ardron go. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm new to the premiership. You know, uh, my introduction to professional rugby was um, was the Pro 14 because of uh, DTH um, and, you know, uh, the Irish teams because of my lineage. So uh, I'm still kind of dipping my toes into the premiership, but I think I'm throwing my weight behind uh, Bristol and uh, the Irish, I think. I'm excited to see. I, I was really sad not to see what Ross Neal could have offered us uh, in MLR, so... To one yeah, year yeah, that he's coming he's, back. He's playing again, yeah. Yeah, so, so to see him back with the Irish, um, uh, and then also to, to find out that he's, he will be coming back to the, the Seawolves uh, is exciting news. So I'm, I'm throwing my way behind Bristol just because I think that they'll be a fun team to watch. Not, not win, but they'll be fun. And, uh, and the Irish just because. Uh, my dad's buddy is from Northampton, so that's all. I have a Northampton Saints jersey, so that's the only reason why I have some loyalty toward that side. So that would be cool. Um, and then I could just wear my Saints jersey on this podcast if they win to celebrate. And I don't have any <laughs> gear from any of the other premiership yeah. teams. So uh, I was, I was going to buy myself uh, a jersey, but then uh, Derek convinced me to wait for the Macron kit. And then I didn't COVID that was your, like brother or something, wasn't it? No, they was were like buying, spend all, spend was, all the a, money on every Jersey you possibly can. No. And <laughs> but then I ended up just buying myself a nerdy D and D shirt. So that's not happening until at least Christmas. So, I mean, I have an Ospreys shirt, but less said about them, the better. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well guys, thank you very much. And uh, thank you folks for listening and uh, go Leafs go.